Welcome back to another edition of the Edtrex Podcast. I'm Quinn Henderson. I'm Matt Winters. And today with us, we have Blake Pope. Welcome, Blake. Good to be here, guys. Tell us, uh, Blake, what do you do and why are you here? Um, I teach 8th and ninth grade English at Walquist Junior High, which is in a little town called Far West Utah. And I'm here because I actually teach right across the hall with Matt. And he parks his car next to mine, and so I can't ever leave and get away from him because he'll barricade me in. So are you here against your will? Did he just, like, throw you in his car and bring you I may have up? dented his car. Oh, okay. And I bought it like that because I'm cheap. <laughs> uh, but no, I'm, I'm, it's, it's good to be here because uh, Matt talks about it, and I'm just, like, I feel really cool that I was invited to even participate. So this is awesome. No, we're and, glad to have you here. And Blake, you're, uh, this is your second year teaching? This is my second year teaching as like a full-on teacher. And then before that, I was like a TA in college and stuff like that. So, I mean, yeah, second year is a real deal teacher. Real Licensed, deal real deal Licensed, teacher. real deal teacher. Real responsibility for real kids. Real responsibility for molding the young minds of our nation, yes. Oh, wow, that's a great attitude. You are still a young teacher. Yeah. No, yeah. So being in a brand new teacher, there's we obviously have teachers coming in and out of the educational profession in Utah all the time. As a first or second year teacher, what would you recommend that they get into? What what, what has helped you in your first couple of years of teaching? Uh, so the biggest, yeah, the statistic on it is like something within like the first five years, educators will either make the decision to stay within the field or leave the field. I don't know exactly where I read that. So that might be completely no, that's, apocryphal. That's accurate. Yeah, yeah. that's something that, that stands out to me. Yeah. Uh, the biggest thing for me is uh, there was the transition from the approach that my uh, college education had on like their educational philosophy and you, you go through this, and then you're immediately placed into a classroom after you graduate, and then you have to be like, the, okay, like what do I believe? What's my educational philosophy? And so there was, there was that decision. But like the, the other thing that I really had to do is I had to look at teachers around me, not just in my school, but maybe uh, classmates that I had in college, and I had to say, like, hey, what do I like and what don't I like, you know? And some of that would be I'm, I'm in my school and I see the, uh, for lack of a better term, the laminated lesson plans that certain people have. Their course has been taught the same way since they started their career. And then I also see the teachers who are winging it on a daily basis. And I'm like, okay, like here, if these are both ends of the spectrum, like where do I, where do I need to like place myself in here? So, so that was kind of one of the other uh things that I really had to figure out as I started teaching. Oh, that's, I, I hear you say that, kind of finding your place as you start teaching. And I've, I've kind of believed for, for quite some time, when you get in the, into that first year, that you are trying to find that out. And it, it really depends on what teachers are around you, right? Because I think sometimes you have teachers that are those veteran teachers that have been there for a while. So naturally, you probably look to them and go, oh, wow, they've been here a while. They know what's going on but it doesn't necessarily mean that's your style or that might be the most current style or what might engage the kids the most. Have you found that? Yeah. So, uh, for instance, like even, uh, even like the, Oh, they've been doing this for a while. They've got even, so even for the teacher who's been doing this for a while, their career, they're a veteran teacher and they're even in the situation where there's a lot of praise and acclaim for their class. Sometimes I have to take a step back and be like, just because it's popular 
does that mean that like philosophically, like that's what you want to do though? Mm -hmm. Because there are some teachers who, uh, and, and of course this works for them because they are who they are and I am who I am. Like we've got different personalities, like their class is really going to work for them. And it would, it just wouldn't work in my class. I feel like the teacher that I am, I, if I look at somebody like a career veteran where they do a certain game, how they review or how they do their test or something like that. And if I were to try and apply that into my class, it'd be a huge bomb because my students after like a couple weeks in my class know what my personality is. And they're going to say, mm, no, this is, you're, you're faking this. This is not you, you know? So I have to, I have to really figure out like, making decisions for myself not because not because i i'm not reinventing the wheel every day but i'm also i need to make conscious decisions as to like what i think is going to work and do i get the data back to suggest that it works you know yeah and that comes to innovation trying new things putting yourself going being vulnerable to new things um what have has been your best situation that you has come out of this what has been your like triumphant lesson that you feel like has happened for you uh, it was it was after my so after year one of teaching, when I came back to school the next year, uh, our administrators hand us these folders with the end of year uh, assessment data in it, and my classes didn't do worse than the other classes, and I was like, okay, <laughs> like I didn't screw it up. I felt like I did, but I didn't because the data suggests that I didn't ruin these kids' lives. And I didn't just make like 200 murderers, you know. I <laughs> what are you teaching them? I, I'm teaching. Well, I'm ho hopefully the Utah State ninth and tenth grade core, and it it showed on the assessment that I had, you know, tried to do that, which was which was pretty good. So that was that was like the that was the first big relief is because like the first year you're just going in every day and you're like, please something work like not not that I felt like my classes weren't being successful but like you have no idea like there are some days when you when you're done with the class where like even if you feel something like feel really good about it it's hard to know like is a kid gonna go home and like remember what we talked about while we were reading like Romeo and Juliet or uh the Odyssey or something like that are they gonna remember that tonight are they gonna remember this like 10 years down the road uh and so to get like, and I'm not, a, I'm not a huge standardized test guy. I'm actually, I've got a lot of opinions about that actually, but to see that like there was some sort of like data benchmark that suggested that students had a learning gain over an academic year in my class was like a really big self-confidence booster. Well, with that, let's, uh, let's get into it. Standardized tests, go. Uh, I, I don't think that a standardized I, – I understand I understand why people want a standardized test. It's a really easy way for somebody who's not in the educational field to get data on if students are learning or not. Like the idea of it, if it worked, that would be awesome. If there was one mm -hmm. test that could say like, hey, this works, and now I can show everybody around me that, yes, uh, mom and dad, your kid is learning. Here's the data. I've got it because they took this one test. However, I think any teacher could tell you that you have to observe a, uh, a kid in class for an academic year and see what they're like on day one and on that day where you're signing yearbooks when they leave to be able to tell if they leave. And so what would be, what would be better is the option that nobody wants is you're collecting a portfolio of student work. Well, you can't have a computer grade that for you. And you can't uh, you can't put a number on that, and so a legislator or a or a lawmaker doesn't want to see that because they can't 
take that to their constituents and say, hey, this is, this is the best. This is what works. So as teachers, we have to find some way to work with, with what's thrown at us. But, I mean, if Blake Pope was put in charge today, I would, I would tell all teachers to stop worrying about the standardized test and, like, worry about doing the basic thing of teaching, which is creating knowledge in class. Yeah. You know, and I think that I compare that to I had a lot of private industry experience before I got into education and, you know, we didn't have a standardized way to really evaluate everybody. We didn't bring all of the employees in and say, okay, everybody go fill this out because we want to see that you've, you've grown in your role within the organization. You actually did that. You went out, you observed them, you met with them, you evaluated them, gave them feedback, gave them areas of opportunity, helped them grow, individual personalized coaching. I mean, but how would you take something like that and bring it into the school, but then be able to, like you were saying, show people that on, on a whole... Learning that, is happening. That, that is happening, right? right? Right. So, I mean, there's kind of that, that different thing. As they transition into the real world, that's what they, or not, I mean, they're in the real world, but into real careers. Adulthood. Adulthood. Whatever you want to call right, it. Right, those types of things. That's kind of the, the learning experience they get when they get to the next level. So. Well, it's really hard to s tell a student that they're never going to, these standardized tests don't have an application. I mean, I'm, I'm totally with you, by the way. Like, everything that you just said, I'm like, plotting off to the side here yes and i'm sure there's a lot of teachers that are with you on that but at the same time like if we can make we have to do standardized testing as part of, of teaching now right it's a sad fact of it sometimes but if we can make it applicable to them and make them understand or have the students understand that this is something that is going to follow them for the rest of their lives and i'm not talking about the score i'm talking about the idea of a standardized test i mean to get in college act or sat uh to get into grad school i had to take the gre and to do all sorts of things you have to take a standardized test which is unfortunately a number and a measure but it doesn't give us the whole piece of the puzzle even job applications now i mean yeah. i think all of us have friends who have applied for a job and there's a there's a personality test that you take when you get in there's a there's a there's a basic competency portion of this job interview like the idea of being assessed before something happens is something that hopefully students can you know wrap their heads around well let's get into a little bit more of the creative side of teaching though so you're going into your third year teaching and i have kind of a special window in this because you and i worked on this together but um, you're going into we're, we're differentiating the, the English classes, right. basically. And so you're going to be teaching a passion project. Now, I, you know me. Mm -hmm. The audience doesn't know this about me, but I have no idea about sports at all. Like, you ask me a question about sports. Well, you're tall. You should know about basketball. I know, right? That's, right. Yeah. that's a fallacy of my entire life right there. You're a gigantic dude. You should know everything about sports. Nope. And if you didn't like podcasting or the language arts, you would have been a great football player, probably. <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> but... <laughs> Where I'm going with this is that you're going to be teaching a differentiated English class for ninth grade students all on sports literature. So I know you're apprehensive about this because you and I have talked about it. What are you, how are you planning this class? How are you approaching it? Why is it important to have a class like this for ninth grade students or even for high school students? Um, what do you think? This actually segues our conversation really good. We were having a conversation in the school about how uh, ninth grade boys uh, are doing worse on standardized tests than ninth grade girls are. And I think any educator that's been through a cognitive development course can answer this question relatively simple for you. It's that ninth grade boys are developing the skills for uh, uh, complex, uh, dynamic, abstract thought later than girls are. 
And we know this, and that's fine. But once again, it's hard to sh- like throw a metric out there, and you can't like have a star at the bottom. Like, hey, mom and dad, uh, the reason that your son's score is lower than the girl across the street is because, well, he's a boy, and just don't worry because in his twenties he's gonna catch up. So you, you can't say <laughs> you can't say that. So so there's there's like the the segue of how this this all kind of naturally fits together. And so as a department, we were, when we were thinking, it's like, hey, uh, how can we have boys? What could we do to have boys increase uh, test scores? And I, I don't know if I, I necessarily, the motive that I use to start this class isn't necessarily what I personally believe because it stereotypes that all boys like sports. Well, Matt's a boy and Matt's not into sports, yeah. you know? And also, uh, girls love sports. My wife has been a jazz, a Utah jazz fan for the entirety of her life. You know, she played sports growing up because she had three brothers. God bless her, you know? And I, so, but I could take all of this and I could say, Hey, well, a lot of guys do like sports and I like sports. So what if there was a class where I was teaching the Utah state nine ten core for English language arts, but instead of teaching it through the perspective of having them read four novels a year and having them read Romeo and Juliet, like we were talking about, or having them read The Odyssey, uh, we are going to read about sports. We're going to write about sports. We're going to see just how relevant English is in their life, and they had no idea. I love that, the relevancy of English or the relevancy of any academic discipline, whether it be science or math or whatever it is. Um, so what are you looking at? How are you like, if you were to say this, you're giving a, a Ted talk about your class to the well, world, how would you, what would you want people to know? How are you setting it up? Um, uh, I'll, I'll base it off this. Stephen King in his book on writing suggests that all great writers are readers first. And as an English teacher, I had to ask myself, what am I reading? And at the time I was reading the sports section from three different local newspapers every day, plus the national attention on it. And I was like, if this is what I'm reading, this is how I will personally start to know how to write. And if my students are reading this, and if they have more buy-in than reading something like this, than Shakespeare or the Odyssey, or even some contemporary modern literature, maybe these concepts of like sentence structure or essay composition will stick with them better because we used a different tool to teach it. So uh, a couple things that uh, that we're going to do is we are going to pull in people who are doing this for real, and we're going to kind of play the real game with them because writing can very much be just like a sport. So part of the class is I've contacted uh, sports writers who are local and I'm going to, and hopefully if I network this correctly, maybe this can lead even to some people who write on a national level, but uh, I've got people from the desert news, which is a Salt Lake city based newspaper. I've got the Salt Lake tribune and I'm contacting people even in our hometown newspaper, the standard examiner to see if we can get sports writers in class and have them talk to students about why English led them to their career. Because the last question that a teacher wants to hear is, when I'm gonna? When am I gonna use this in real life? Well, I I think yeah. this is really great because this is. I, I just listened to the description of the class and I'm like, I you know that would have really excited me at that age to be involved in a class like that. But you know, as a ninth grade boy, I was thinking, okay, I want to be a professional athlete. 
Well, you know what you could say is not everybody's going to be a professional athlete, but you have a passion for sports. So maybe it is sports writing, but let's connect you to the sports world in a little bit different way. You could still go and participate in sports on a professional level if you can improve your writing ability, right? And you can kind of connect them that way. So, I mean, what a, what a cool way to introduce them. They can still have their passion. Um, they might not be able to, they might not have a profession directly related to that passion, but they might be able to connect to that. Yeah, and let's let's take a big big picture with sports here. If you have a group of guys or girls who get together and they play a sport, like they play a basketball game against each other, uh, the sport itself depends on two things. The ath- this sounds like a lot the Law and Order <laughs> introduction. The athletes who are playing the sports themselves and the people who are watching this game. And I think some of us are like ching ching, you know. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, but if. If you've got a bunch of people who get together to play a sport and after the game's over, they go home and no one talked about it, it's a feat of strength. And if you have a bunch of people who are gathered together and like a game didn't happen in front of them, well, then nothing happened. So if you take both of these things, people who are watching this, this sport and the people who are playing them and you combine the idea of it, it produces a rich history of what we have in this country of people observing something that happens. You know, uh, People may not be uh, big-time readers or think that they're a reader, but, you know, guys stereotypically grab the sports section in the newspaper and they read through what's happened. And what they're doing is they're taking words that are on the page and they're taking these ideas into their mind and solidifying them and then asking themselves questions about it. Well, that's what I'm trying to do as an English teacher teaching anything else, so why not meet the student halfway? Well, it has that connection of you may not be an athlete, like you said, but you can be the support to uh, for the athlete. You can share and disseminate the information about them. You can present the idea of what you th- respect in the field to the rest of the world and make a context for that through writing, through video production, through podcasting, through whatever it is, which are all parts of the ELA core as well, which is awesome. Yeah, reading, writing, speaking, and listening, all of it can be seen within sports because there's a great story there sometimes. Yeah. What I love that you're doing really is, you know, we talked about assessment and that's something that you you have to do and the students are going to have to do and that's how you're going to measure them. And that really becomes kind of a constraint in a way, but the teacher still has that ability like you've done here to say, I need to teach this, but but how could I teach it? How, you know, you get the opportunity to innovate and come up with ideas to still teach that, that they're going to be assessed on, but in a way that really engages the student. I think sometimes there are teachers that will get lost and get focused on that assessment alone and forget that they have that ability to say, I've got to teach this, but how can I appeal to the kids or speak speak to the kids or engage the kids in a whole new way? They kind of get stuck in just kind of that got to get the assessment zone. Mm-hmm. So but I, I, I praise you guys for, for taking that on and doing something a little bit different. I can't, I can't wait to hear more about what's going on in those classes and how they turn out. Yeah, I was going to say, we're going to have to have you back on in a year to see how it goes. Yeah, and, and that's a really good point. You know, uh, going into this for the first time, this might be a great success, or this might, at the end of it, be like a total realization that if I were to do it again, like I'm going to have to completely change the wheels because what I'm asking for here is a completely student centered uh, classroom where we can make the agreement on day one that's like, hey, guys, I c- this is sports literature, pretty cool idea, right? I can, I can really make 85% of this class all sports stuff. But for 15% of this, you're going to have to bear with me where I'm leading this into sports, right? Uh, There was no great slam dunk champion who also uh, 
taught you the nine comma rules, you yeah. know? <laughs> so, so like, bear with me when, while we get into the English side of this, but like, you'll notice that this happened. Like, you'll see this in the natural world if we set this up right. So, yeah, I mean, I it's going to be... This is a total experiment, and I'm I'm pretty excited to see where it goes. Well, I think one of the important things you're probably going to have to do to teach that is preparation and research. So you got to really engage in sports even more, right? So that means you probably got to be watching all the games. The TV is always on Sports Center. Yeah, it's always right. Yeah, which is hard because I'm not a football fan. Oh. Uh, I, the, my whole my whole idea to my whole idea to set this up was you know being in Salt Lake City area for the past two years. Uh, you know, the Utah Jazz have made this incredible push to develop their organization, and they've got such a rich history also. So uh, being an English guy, I'm totally into the story of all this, but also I'm at the game. I'm, I am I can't sleep at night because I'm thinking about the game, and I'm reading these articles, and I'm bugging my wife constantly with questions or getting frustrated while watching the game. And then I was like, hey, you're really into this. And the only way that students are going to learn something in any class is if their teacher is really into it. So in a way, this is just a really sneaky way when those kids are watching the game or at the game, they're going, oh, Mr. Pope's class tomorrow. I got to be ready to talk about this and this, right? So yeah. they're thinking about school at sports. Yeah, well, and it's it's the, the classic idea of the trick doesn't stop. I am, I'm teaching English this whole time, and these guys are going to be thinking about these concepts, and they're not going to be thinking about school, which is... Well, fine by me because you're thinking about the concept. <laughs> That's awesome, man. So cool. Uh, so where can we find you on Twitter to follow this journey that you're going to be having over the next year? Um, my, uh, I've, I've got two Twitter handles. My uh, teacher Twitter handle is young, and I've got a meager following presence right now, but it is growing, and I do a really good job of follow for follow. So I'm at... Uh, Teacher Pope UT on Twitter. That's my Twitter handle. And my personal one is just at Blake Pope. So if you're looking for the teacher one, uh, I'm uh, at Teacher Pope UT on Twitter. I'm at Blake Pope for the regular one. And uh, if you're interested in like indie music and stuff like that, his personal Twitter is a solid follow. Yeah, my, my personal Twitter is a lot of... Uh, is a lot of what every other 20-somethings Twitter is. It's it's music, it's punk rock, it's I'm what I'm watching on Netflix, and my teacher one is more pedagogically focused, yeah. There you go. And uh, thank you for being here today, Blake. Yes, we thanks, really Blake. Appreciate this, is, this is awesome. You guys, you guys have an awesome podcast, and I'll make sure that I plug it on my Twitter presence as well. Awesome. Um, and you can find it, uh, me, Teacher Winners, uh, on Twitter. Uh, follow, us, uh, or follow me on there. And I am at Q Henderson on Twitter. Awesome. Thanks again, Thanks Blake. for joining us. Thanks, guys.